today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about meetings. That's it. Just meetings. Lots of meetings. Just like your day. <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so glad that you are here today. As you know, Karina and I are here to talk about women and work and we want you to have more ease, meaning, and joy in your life and at work. And we think that meetings are a big uh, joy, meaning, and ease stomper. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's lots of meetings when I leave, and I just do not have a sense of ease, meaning, and joy. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, later we will discover that the data suggests most people feel like that. That I am not alone. You are not alone yeah. in this case or many other cases. I often use the phrase, just let me put a needle in my eye instead. That's during the meetings? Yes. <laughs> hey, uh, but you do you fix them? Because I fixed something for you today. You did. And speaking of ease, meeting, and joy, Karina cut like four inches off my microphone so I can actually look over my microphone, my pop filter, my blah, 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 so I can actually see her. Usually I'm looking between my, like, one of the little shields and the microphone to see her and my computer at the same time. And it struck me, oh my gosh, why have I been, why have I been doing that? It's like my brown couch at home. Yeah. What is it? It's funny. Cause I even said, do you want me to lower, do you want me to saw off the part of your microphone stand? And you're like, no, it's, it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's the same thing about the brown couch. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. So here's the deal. Fine is not ease, meaning, and joy. Fine's That's not, the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. Fine is not always. No. Sometimes it's worth improving. Fine. Yes. And I think that actually fine should be examined carefully for improving, especially for some of us who sit in a little bit of a shit of fine. <laughs> is me- yeah, exactly. Mediocre. Is that what we're shooting for? Mediocrity? No. Fine is not what we're shooting for. No. Shooting it is, for ease, meaning, and joy. It, and honestly, I think that our lovely new sound engineers at Talking to Crows are going to like that your microphone stand has been cut down because... Your sound is way sweeter. It's way better. With their, and it will make their amazing work even look way better. Here way better. It will, it'll make their amazing work here real better. <laughs> yes. It's my incredibly intelligent podcasting co-host. Can't form a sentence. Articulate. <laughs> uh, meetings. Meetings. When we decided to do this show, I think I even said... We'll just, it's just going to be a quickie. We'll just do a quick, like 15, 20 minute run through tips. Cause it's just not that big. And then I started reading. And I was honestly, when you said meetings, I was like, sigh, Mm -hmm. sigh. Okay. I know yet again, I'm forcing you to do something terrible. And it was kind of like, it just felt so not like fun and interesting and whatever. But as you point out, you know, we do a lot of shows that are, um, you know, in your head. In I your say ho- self-help. So, don't use, no. No, they're not they're self-help. Easy, but you know what I mean. They're just not real practical. And you always call me and call me out and say, hey, we need to really provide some practical, solid tips. And I'm like, okay, great. Which I believe in 100%, which is why I agreed to <sighs> talk about meetings. Meetings. I don't think, and I, I, I know we didn't want to get to that. I don't think that, I think we offer practical tips no matter what. But sometimes we tip into, sometimes we focus a lot on the self, which we know 
how you manage yourself, mm-hmm. how you engage is in the, the world. Single most significant factor exactly. to your workplace experience. Exactly. And 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 I don't want to minimize that. But sometimes I want to talk about something that's just hundred percent squarely in work. Mm-hmm. And meetings really is one of it's those. It's squarely in work. And and little did I know. <laughs> little did I know. But you did. That's that, the thing. Yeah, but this I is did. when you look at the research and you're like, ah. The yeah. people I work with are not freak shows. This is just the way the world is. No wonder I am not crazy. In fact, this guy named Joseph Allen, Dr. Joseph Allen, he's a professor of industrial and organizational psychology at the University of Utah. He's been studying meetings for over 15 years. He says that over 50% of meetings that people have mm-hmm. are rated as poor. Mm-hmm. So, duh. This is a topic ripe for the podcast for sure. And really think about it. When's the last time any of us left a meeting and said, that was a great meeting? Yeah, it doesn't happen as Mm -hmm. often as I want. Even Mm -hmm. the ones I'm facilitating, I'm realizing. Like there's room for improvement. So I look forward to digging into this both from the perspective of the people who are in charge of the meeting, Mm -hmm. but also from the perspective of the people who are at the meetings. There's a lot of great information and tips and data. This is another one of those topics that has been exacerbated by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I think this has come to light and why I was like, yeah, this let's do this is because I think that some of these issues have gotten worse during the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Did you read those stats from Dr. Allen? Dr. Allen, 15 years of meeting studying, said that 75% of a manager's time was spent in meeting activities, whether pre-meeting, meeting, post-meeting, 75%. That was before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. 75% of a 40-hour week. I can't do the math. Yes. Somebody else can. It's 30 hours. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. You can do the math, I could do friend. the math you if could. I wasn't. You just have to believe in yourself. I, <laughs> I was feeling the pressure. I just was like, forget, I can't do it. Set 30 out of a 40, 30 hours mm-hmm. out of a 40-hour week work. Post-pandemic? During the lockdown? That shit got worse. Yes, it did. By almost an hour, 48 and a half more minutes in a post-lockdown world were spent in meetings, um, almost an hour. And the number of meetings has increased by 13% post-lockdown, post-pandemic. And so now, for that manager that was spending 75% of her time in meetings, she's now spending 85 to 90% of her time in meetings. And don't forget from our other shows, our work days are longer during pandemic. Yeah. So you're not crazy. No. Your meetings, you're in meetings all the, all time, the time. And they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and we are so sorry because that is, like you said, that is the antithesis of, of ease, meaning, meaning, and joy. And joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm busting out the words lately. Did you hear that? I did. Antithesis. It's nice. Antithesis. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So I thought this was interesting, though. Uh, Alan referenced something called surface acting. Yes. And so the, the result of this sort of additional time in meetings isn't just that you're spending time in meetings and sometimes they're, they're miserable or 50% of the time they're poor, you're rating them as poor. It's also that you have to behave in a certain way in meetings. I mean, ideally. Unless you're one of those problem people that we'll we're going to talk, later. <laughs> talk about later. He referenced surface acting and he's he what he means by that is smiling and being professional and putting out more energy so that these increase in meetings not only means you're sitting in a meeting more 
it's just you have to, the drain on your mm-hmm. emotions mm-hmm. is higher because you have to be a certain way all all mm-hmm. of the time, 90 percent of your mm-hmm. work day. You have to show up in this kind of positive, engaging way. I noticed something about myself in a recent meeting. I was an attendee at a meeting and I really just wanted to hear it and listen. And nobody else had their their um, um, camera off. Right. So I was the, I didn't want to turn my camera off. But I was trying to get something done at the same time. So I'm listening to the meeting. I know the camera's on me. Yeah. And I'm working on another thing. Yep. And so I am like nodding, listening, smiling, <laughs> turning my head. And I was like, Kirsten, you are a nut. Yeah. But I really get this whole surface acting because I caught myself doing it. Yep. While I was, you know, multitasking. Weird. Which, by the way, most of the time, people know that you're not. Well, I don't know about you necessarily. But oh, people, I'm sure that they do. It's obvious yes. if you're in a Zoom meeting, which you're was not the, paying attention. Which was the other reason I was like, Kirsten, you're, there's times when you do things and you realize, oh, you're to a crazy point. Stop. Oh, wait, that's actually most of my life. <laughs> But you, I think everybody knows what I mean. You find yourself in a situation yeah. and you're like, this is crazy. What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was one of them. That was one of them. And that's what means. Surface acting. Surface acting so that you can, and then also So that I appear engaged in the meeting. Uh, so why do people rank, why do 50% of the people rank meetings as poor? What right. do you think the biggest reasons are, Karina? I think it's obvious. I think we can all, our listeners probably can come up with the same list too. There's no agenda. There's no purpose. The wrong people are in the room. There's no follow-up. There's no action taken. Uh, there's no structure for decision-making. I mean, and, and- That's my big one, is structure for decision-making. Uh-huh. Like, I love the agenda that says, we're going to spend 15 minutes on this. And then at the end of 15 minutes, it's like, do we make a decision? Do we need more information? Are we not ready to make a decision? I mean, I love it when there's this check-in so that you just don't go round and round and round. Right. What's interesting- It's the round and round that bugs me. Yeah, I get that. I feel like a lot of times too, people have meetings just to have meetings. They're regular, they're scheduled, they're on the calendar. It's good to check in. It's good to see how people are. Right. And the purpose is to build community, let's Mm -hmm. say. But if the purpose is to build community or to build camaraderie or oh social capital or whatever, but your meeting is focused on discussing benign or ridiculous things, you're not making the per- you're not Mm-mm. you're defeating the you're entire defeating purpose, the purpose for the meeting. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of times people have yeah, like I said, there's this like this regular expectation that we're gonna have this meeting twice a month and we're gonna get together to get together. Well, if you're gonna do that. Just do it. Have a cocktail. Yeah. And get to know each other. Another reason why meetings are poor is because they're tailored, like not just to the lowest common denominator, but they're tailored to one personality type or only tailored to men. Oh, this is an interesting, the dynamics of gender and race in a meeting that I think you're right, Karina. I didn't think about it this way before you said that. Um, Of course, I know this is the dynamic at the meeting. And that it's miserable for people. But I just had a kind of a quick aha about, oh, yeah, that's why 50 percent of the people think it's poor, because they're the people of color and they're the women Women. who aren't fully participating. Right. Who are. Yeah, exactly. Or they're a personality type that that is not being accommodated Mm -hmm. to during the meeting. Okay, so a little bit more data. Obviously, what you just said is true. Women and people of color are given less time to talk. They're perceived as less capable in meetings and they're talked over more frequently. And the people doing the over talking or interrupting are men. Sorry, guys. This is actually scientifically proven. 
It is. In controlled settings. No, I'm just joking. No, it is. We were, again, you know us. We like to read reports and data. And actually, Adam Grant, who is kind of one of my, I have a crush on Adam Grant. Oh, really? Not a professional crush. A prof- yeah, not yeah. a romantic crush. But he's a um, organizational psychologist. And I, I re- he's got a great podcast. I like his work. And he referenced a study um, where political scientists took a look at sort of what happens in groups in meetings when there are um, one woman in the group. Groups of five. Yeah, groups of five. With only one woman, right? Mm-hmm. Or two women or three or four. And there was this study really tried to figure out sort of who's doing the talking and who's doing the interrupting. Mm-hmm. Oh, cue to Kirsten. <laughs> Okay, if only one of the five is a woman, she ends up speaking 40% less than the men. Even if you've got a majority of the group as being women, three women out of the five, each of them will speak 36% less than the two men. So these different dynamic, I mean, these different situations show that the, dynam- the dynamics are the same. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The only difference, the only time where mm-hmm. this researchers found that women spoke as much as the men was when there was one man and four women. And I just and this want, is about individually, right? Yes. So each individual, each individual human. Mm-hmm. There, there was another study by a Yale psychologist, Victoria Breskol, who she found that not only did men executives speak more often at meetings, but when women did speak they were given lower competency ratings yeah, we've and had so that, it's like, we've had that pt yeah, piece before yeah so it's like this double-edged sword so not only are you like women are not speaking but when they do they're judged harshly for it far more harshly than the men so when you're listening to a woman speak in a meeting and you sense yourself having judgment around what she's saying it's a perfect time to check in yeah like, Check yourself. is this judgment really accurate or am I just living with this unconscious bias floating around in my brain that I'm not controlling very well? Yeah. Which I guess is the point of the unconscious bias. Anyway, so gender and race definitely play a role in how meetings go. And personality also plays a role in how meetings go. I mean, I've been, I mean, we all can think of personality types in meetings. Um, there is a wonderful article in... Um, HR Daily Advisor, by the way, which I love that um, source. I use it a lot in my work. Good to know. And it is an article called The Four Personality Types in Your Meetings by Cameron Harold. And Cameron breaks down personality types into four. Um, the first is dominant personalities. And these are the folks who are extroverts, assertive, lots of words, forceful, strong, type A, driven people, say what they mean, argue for what they want, act forcefully. And then he, he, they, I don't know if Cameron's a man or a woman, so they, Cameron. Cameron, Our good friend Cameron. Also indicates that there are expressive personalities, which are sort of similar to that, but they're animated and they talk more. So you've got kind of two different kinds of extroverts. And they're excitable and emotional. And they're eager to like jump in and speak. Oh, who's that remind you of? That's me. 
she me yeah he, they cameron i cannot stop calling them he uh cameron also references two introverted mm-hmm. personality More, types yeah. yeah both analytical and amiable and analytical you can imagine already literally thinking through their answers before speaking so a lot of work Tend is to being be introverted yeah done to, inside their head they're seen as sometimes slow mm-hmm. to process and so you can imagine if you're in a meeting where it's like a whole bunch of extroverts and 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 expressive personalities are like pop 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 and the and the analytical person is sitting there just like just let me process for the love of God mm-hmm. that's got to be a difficult thing for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and then the whole amiable which I didn't the, uh, Cameron references amiable personalities as people who are kind of tending uh, to get along with everybody a little bit more passive avoiding conflict. Avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the article, they say that they're, they're they're frequently the people who say, well, whatever, whatever you'd like, that's fine, I'm, I'm okay. But truthfully, they mean it most of the time. Oh. So it, it's not passive aggressive. No. A lot of times I read that kind of behavior as, really? You're oh, being yeah. passive. Aggressive. But frankly, according to Cameron. Or disinterested. Yeah. Or they, disinterested or you don't have any engagement. It's seen as negative when I think there's a real positive in it. Yeah, I lo- now all of a sudden I want a meeting full of amiables. You know, ideally, I mean, frankly, we all move between all four of these personality types, mm-hmm. right? There are times when I'm amiable in a meeting because I think both are great solutions. These are great solutions. You guys pick what you want because both of them are good with me. Right. Really good. Right. And there's times when it's really good to be an analyzer and to stop and to think and to move through the data and really be thoughtful. And there are times when, and, I'll, and I don't want to pat myself on the back or ignore what is a really annoying habit for some people, which is interrupting, which mm-hmm. I really get is, is annoying, but there's also some creativity and some engaged communication and some confirmation of how you move through a meeting with her expressive. So there's times when expressive is good too. Yeah. And there's also times when it's really good to be a dominant person and to argue for what you think is really the best solution. Right. Right. So ideally, we all we move through these all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet recognizing the different personality mm-hmm. types. That some people don't move. And seeing which where you kind of land and where your team or where your colleagues land. What? I'm laughing because I'm like, what do we call the assholes? Oh, yeah. Like, that's what I want to know. What do we call the jerks in meetings? When I first read this, I was like, Cameron, where are those people you just want to, you know, punch in the face? Pop in the suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you ask an analytical person, they probably say it's the expressive. That's their app, the version. They probably say it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said to me one time, if you're looking around the room wondering who the ass, who is the asshole? asshole it's probably you. you. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we know then that the vast majority of meetings are frustrating at best and, and a lot of times poor. And, and there are pretty clear reasons for that. Mm-hmm. The way the meeting is structured, the kind of personalities mm-hmm. in the room, the, the needs of those personalities, the needs of those personalities, mm-hmm. the biases that we bring mm-hmm. in, and frankly, the deference that we give to the men, the it's white men. It's just a meeting shit show. It's a shit show. Fifty <laughs> percent of the time, at least. <laughs> and I'm going to say, fifty percent of the meetings are poor. Probably seventy-five percent of the meetings are mm, mediocre. Like you said at the beginning, how do we transition? If this is so much time in mm-hmm. our day, how do we transition that stuff away? And I want to get to these tips and solutions, which Kirsten, I know you referenced um, in a conversation earlier. You're going to do a, a real detailed description. 
I'm going to do real detailed show notes for this episode. I tend to, I really do put in all the information with like our articles and our sources in, but I really will be, I'll do all of this. I'll, I'll try and be as verbatim as I can. So if you want to look back and see what are these for, what are these tips, what is whatever, they'll all be there in the show notes. Yeah. Cause there's a, there are a lot of ways to make and meetings. If anybody more. reads the show notes, please tell me because sometimes I feel like nobody reads the show notes. And if you don't, what Tell is me your that problem. Too. Go read them. <laughs> okay. So first of all, my favorite thing about thinking about meetings and how to make them better is to make sure you need it in the first place. And I know we talked about this earlier in the mm-hmm. show, but number one, ask yourself before you're going to spend the time, meetings cost so much, much money. money. How many salaries are in that room just to just have it be miserable mm-hmm. and accomplish nothing? And painful. Make sure you need it. How do you make sure you need it? You make sure that it has a purpose mm-hmm. and a goal. An outcome. An outcome, a reason for meeting. Right? That's number one. Yeah, hit us with your 8% um, statistic. I love that 8% oh, that's statistic. Right. Uh, I can't remember where I got this from, but I, I uh, like, You told me before, so we're going to believe it. Eight, Maybe we'll see if we can find it in the show notes. I love this. 8%, only 8% of meetings have a purpose or a goal before the meeting starts. So that means that 92% okay, of that's meetings- that's the craziest thing, I think. That is the most shocking piece of information in this show so far to me. Whatever it is, 92% of me, see, I can do that math. of meetings have a bunch of people wandering in going, I don't know what we're here for. Do you know why we're here? So they're not prepared. They're not emotionally prepared. We're here because it's Thursday at 2. Yeah, they don't know what's Mm going to be accomplished. They don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to be asked of them. So make sure that you are not part of that 92%. Get clear on why you need the meeting and who needs to be there and what you're going to discuss. And if you're not the leader of the meeting, I think it's great to ask for clarity about that. What do we need to decide today? What's the purpose today? What do we need to accomplish today? Do I really need to be there? (laughs) I ask that all the time. Yeah. Well, do you have to, do I have to come? Do I, is that really? Which might be actually a fair question. Yeah. So this next thing is what you introduced me to this at the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm. This idea of starting the meetings with mindfulness. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was so brilliant. And you talked about how you had done it at different Zoom meetings and how effective it was. And it wasn't like you asked people to close their eyes and meditate. No. But just also, but talk about, yeah, talk about that. Just have a moment. Like be purposeful in your approach, be mindful in your approach to the meeting. So, because I know sometimes you start with a check in. Right. Which I love. Just how are you? Yeah. So recognizing that. The way that a meeting begins is going to have an impact on the entire thing. And so if you mm-hmm. yourself are mindful of that, especially if you're in charge, but even if you're not, and you are able to set your intention for that activity or event, that meeting, and then you approach it with that mindset um, or that um, intention, you can com- significantly change the Experience of the meeting. Experience of the meeting. I have, in some cases, been in meetings where we do close our eyes and ring a bell and everyone just takes one minute, 60 seconds to breathe with their cameras off and get ready for the meeting. All the way up to making sure that every single person in the room is greeted mm-hmm. and we get to and we and we and we ground ourselves in as humans together in a room for an mm-hmm. hour, even if it's on Zoom. 
even if it's on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things tend to have a significant impact on, like I said, on the experience. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the data suggests that as well. They don't have a statistic. I can make one up. <laughs> no, me make it. That's, I make the things up. You do? <laughs> That's my role. <laughs> so really, again, starting at the beginning, bringing mindfulness and a practice of intention into the meeting, um, both individually and collectively, is a beautiful way to start. Mm-hmm. And I also think, too, that planning, like if you know in a meeting that you've got somebody who does a lot of talking, somebody who doesn't do very much talking, you've got an analyzer. If you can figure out beforehand like what what to expect, what problems to expect, and you know what your tools are to deal with them, you're not going to be back on your heels as much. I had a great experience with somebody years ago. His name's Andy Klein, and he was facilitating. Oh, I love Andy Klein. Yeah, Klein Consult. He, so Andy Klein um, facilitated a couple of retreats um, when I was running an organization. And he came in, and, and one of the things he asked me right off the bat when we were setting the agenda is, who are the people in the room? And he wanted to know all of their mm-hmm. names. Okay, and then he said, okay, who are we going to have to deal with? Who's going to be the problem? And I remember thinking, wow, you're getting really into the weeds on this, but okay, I guess I'll tell you. And now I realize that was the most brilliant thing in the world. And I do that now with my clients. Tell me who's in the room. What do we need to mitigate for? What do I need to have my snap phrases prepared for? Right. What might get in the way of us getting to the end or the purpose or the goal of this meeting? Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to like, behaviors during meetings, you Mm -hmm. know, certain personalities process information differently. I think one of the best tips I've ever heard is making sure, like the most important for me anyway, is making sure everybody gets heard in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're going around the room, that everybody has a chance to say something. And when you find that somebody never has anything to say, I have found it to be a great indicator of a deep dysfunction somewhere. Oh, what do you mean by that? Um, I have been in meetings where one person just doesn't speak up very well, very much. Uh-huh. Somebody that, you know, and, it th- and the reason is, is because of a greater dysfunction in the group. Got it. And I've seen that several times in my professional life. So figuring out how to get everybody, because that's the point of the meeting. That's why they're there, because they're supposed to participate. So if they're not participating, figuring out why that is time, space. One of the big little tips that um, I learned in getting ready for this show is that if there's a big question, do we want to bring on this new product? And that's why you're at the meeting to make that final decision about bringing on a new product. It's a great strategy to have everybody write out their answer before they start sharing, because that allows your analyzer to process that lets your expressive cool their jets and think (laughs) through things carefully that gives time for other people except your dominant to get out there and to get get their get their own opinion settled and handled right so it's a great strategy i love that too sorry no, no, go. I love that too because I've seen that happen time and time again, where where somebody someone will just pitch a question, mm-hmm. and then the people who are good at thinking are quick to think on their feet and willing to express, mm-hmm. jump right in, right in. So if you're an analyzer, now you're simultaneously trying to think about your answer to that question and listen and process the information that's coming at you. And what happens is you have to decide, am I going to think, am, am I going to listen or process? Yeah. And you can't mm-hmm. do both. And then, and then those kinds of people will, will sometimes shut down. Mm-hmm. I also think that 
recognizing that personality, like how you prepare people for mm-hmm. the meeting and what information you give them and, and expectations you set in advance can also really change what you just referenced, that dysfunction. How they, partic- how they participate in the meeting because how you've prepared them before. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think so too. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, this is like really, this is like, this is like master of the obvious stuff, but you have an agenda, you stick with it, you check in when it's time to make a decision, you figure out, you know, whether you have the information you need, can you make a decision? What else do you need? I mean, it's one of those, it's very routinized. And I think sometimes we're unwilling to stick to our routine and we just want to float through a meeting. Yeah. You know, and, and agenda is one of those things too, that I think we, we hear that all the time. There's, we need an agenda for this and don't get stuck in the, it's a piece of paper with time delineated and every, it doesn't have to be that formal if it is. And if that was part of your organizational culture, great. For me, I have so many meetings where we share, we schedule them on a calendar and, you know, we're both going to the same one. And so it's we're both on the same calendar event. And in the description of the meeting, it's just like, what are we going to accomplish today? Bop, bop, bop. And, it, and we made that decision when we scheduled the meeting so that we can we capture what our intention was in the notes so that when we show up to the meeting, we look at our calendar and I'm like, oh, here's what we're here to talk about today. There it is. Yeah. That functions as an agenda, too. I do. I set an agenda with almost every client call I have. And is it similar to that just in relatively? You know, it is. It's so interesting. I listen to these, to these, all of these things we're talking about. And I think about my client meetings yeah. and it, I like, I start by checking in. How are you? You know, making sure everybody, making sure that whoever I'm talking to, like, I feel like, is there stress? Is there tension? Are they tired? Are they, how's, how's their life going? So I have the context of what they're going to want to talk to me about. And mm-hmm. then I say, literally, okay. This is what I have on the agenda for our call today. Is that what you have? Is there anything else we need to take care of? Great. Which I also check in at the end. Did we get everything on our agenda? Are we done? Yeah. My only problem, as you know, is I go an hour and five minutes or an hour and 10 minutes. Because you're an event timer. I'm an event timer. Back to (laughs) chronomics. Drink, everybody. Yeah. Back to chronomics. But I think so agendas ahead of time are great unless, mm-hmm. again, your relationship is such that you can do it, set it yeah. when, when mm-hmm. you have the call. And you have the flow and the yeah. familiarity and all that good stuff. Yeah, but regardless, mm-hmm. being clear about what you're trying to accomplish and sticking to that is really important. I want to just talk about a lesson that I learned in preparing for this show because one of the things that I did some research on was how to create, given the data we heard in the beginning about gender and race and meeting participation, how do we create an inclusive meeting culture, right? right? Like how do we get participation from all genders, all races, fairly, equitably, et cetera, et cetera. And what I learned was, yeah, you don't do that in a meeting. You do it in a culture. Like oh, you yeah. can, you cannot have inclusivity at your meetings if you haven't created inclusive culture. So the answer back to me was, yeah, Kirsten, you can't do that. You still got to work on culture. And if you work on culture, you will drive it into meetings and that's how you change it. But it was good for me to realize, hey, no quick fix here, KB. No, there's no, no easy checks. No, nope. I know. Wouldn't it be nice Damn if there it. was? I know. Bum me out. But and then I when I when I realized that I was like, of course, mm-hmm. of course, of course. Yeah. Although there are some, I'm not going to say this is these are going to be uh, magic pills, but but there are some things that you can do to think about. Like number one, check yourself if you're the only one talking. If you're the one doing ninety percent of the talking, then shut the fuck up. <clears throat> 
Uh, you can also make sure that everyone who's coming has a seat at the table. There's no back row. Yes. There's no second row. You know, make sure that everyone who's coming has an equal play. I mean, an equal place at the table. Also recognize what your definition of sort of professional behavior is. It's not white dude in a suit. There are all manner of ways of showing up and listening and participating in a and meaningful, engaging. contributive way. That's yep. right. And, and I, I'll be honest. I try and think when I'm in meetings of the metaphorical talking stick. Yeah. You know how in Native yeah, cultures yes. they have this, the talking stick? And when I'm in meetings, that's one of the ways that I really try and make sure there's inclusivity is I think about who's had the stick. Who's had the talking stick? Who's been holding, who's, who put mm-hmm. this talking stick in their pocket mm-hmm. and they just won't give, oh, it, give up. it back? You know, speaking of talking, there, one of the, another great tip that I, uh, it copied from someone else was this uh, using poker chips. And I don't know if you okay, remember no, this. I have not heard this. Okay. So, you know, there are so many times in meetings where someone will offer a suggestion or a thought. And then the person next to them goes, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Cause of bloody blah. And then across the table, yeah, I agree with so-and-so and here, and, and you've gotten nowhere except seven people have now just agreed with the one thing. And so, we started using a, a trick where at the beginning of every meeting, you give people a handful of poker chips and they sit on the table in front of them. So first of all, for those tactile folks who sort of like yeah, to, fun. to futz with stuff, they're stacking them and organizing them or whatever. But any, but instead of interrupting the flow of conversation and wasting more time agreeing, um, we started just pitching or tossing a poker chip across the table. So if you said something I agreed with or I liked or I wanted to support, but it didn't warrant me talking, I would just t- t- flick a, a poker chip your way. It's still a public recognition mm-hmm. of, yes, I agree with you. So I sort of get seen, but it's quick and efficient. That's, you know, it's interesting because especially in lawyer meetings, I mean, in meetings with other lawyers, we feel the need to either agree or disagree with everything said. Like, it's like, if you listen to lawyers talk, they will start invariably with, I agree or I disagree. Uh-huh. It's fascinating. So instead of so the, we need I, poker chips. You guys need poker we chips. Do. We need and, poker and chips. And when you disagree, just sit, go like this. You just, like, ask for one. Give me one. Give me your chip. Kirsten, give me a poker chip. It's I disagree BS. with you. Give me you. your chip. Uh, the, the downfall of that, and I will say, is that as a competitive person, I always wanted to leave the room with all the poker <laughs> chips. I didn't want them to have the most, but we never counted them out. So it was so funny. That you would create that little game in your head when there's not even an outcome. I want everyone to agree with me. I want all of the chips. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about, as we're coming to the end of the show, let's talk about how to deal with some of the disruptive behaviors in meetings. Or are these the assholes you referenced earlier in the show? These, these is the assholes, right? (laughs) Or, and you know, we can all be assholes. I can be an asshole. I know I've been an asshole, not irregularly. So I get it. Right. So, um, and this is the thing too. It's like, I guess one of the interesting things about the things that you and I talk about is that they are not pathologized. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like, these are just things we all have to deal with and figure out, some of us more than others, but all of us some, yeah. right? So this is this is not intended to pathologize the assholes because we can all be assholes. And you may have people who need serious mental, mental health care. Yes. Yes, they need intervention. And this is probably not, we're not talking about mm-hmm. those people necessarily. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. But 
there are a lot of people oh. who are just annoying and, at best. And really, honestly, during the pandemic, I think that people have a lot more mental stress, a lot heavier mental load. And so I think those behaviors become exacerbated. Yeah. Okay. Disruptive behavior, though. Okay. So takes many forms. One of the tips for disruptive behavior for folks who argue, okay, for folks who argue is to have a meeting with them beforehand if you know you're gonna they're gonna be arguing. We used to do this at the law firm all the time. Is the purpose of the meeting ahead of time to say don't argue? No, it's to work through the issue with them and to find out what their concerns are, what what they're trying to accomplish. It's, you know, in fact, I think my beloved Steve, who 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 was this is a long story, but um in his management style, he would often go around to meetings beforehand with really tricky subjects and talk to everybody and get their opinion and talk through the information to make sure they had accurate information, that they were not emotionally reacting to the information, so that when they got to the meeting, they really were more regulated. That's nice. So that's a lot of good pre-meeting. Mm-hmm. Especially for folks who, and these were Sounds really exhausting. all dis- exhausted, but they were all disruptive people. Well, if you're just, dis- my kind of honestly, though, my tip is if you have a bunch of disruptive people in your meeting, tell them to stop being so goddamn disruptive. That's another thing, too. But I think right? what you're suggesting is that, you know, if you know that there's a, yeah. st- a tricky An subject. An issue, uh, uh, yeah, something that's going to be hard for somebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Having that, doing that pre-meeting work is going to make your meeting much more smooth. Mm-hmm. Also, what about in the moment? If you've got oh, argumentative yeah. people I, I have struggled with like whether or not to call them out. I mean, arguments aren't necessarily bad, bad, mm-hmm. but I guess when it flips into dis- like disruptive, mm-hmm. what do you, yeah, if calling them out in the moment sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. You know, I find then this, I think the reading that I did this, I, the reading that I did does support this. Asking questions is really good to disarm people Mm. and to change the course of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And frankly, sometimes the answer is, boy, it sounds like you're really upset and we're having a hard time moving forward with this. Let's take a break. Right. Which isn't a question, but. No, if after you've tried question. Yeah. Right. After you've tried question and they still don't, they aren't able to regulate, then it's just a pause. Take a pass. Yeah. You need to get the, Mm -hmm. go get a grip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get some tea. Yeah. Have a a cup of tea. Take a few deep breaths. Yeah. Uh, Other disruptive personalities are people who dominate. We talked about this a little bit. Just the talking stick in your pocket and Mm -hmm. won't give it up. You know, as a facilitator, I think there are a lot, you know, you need to be, facilitators need to be attuned to this and have a whole bunch of tricks in their Mm -hmm. bag to get other, to draw a conversation out from other people. But what if you're in the meeting? not in charge and there's an over talker like what if it's you know what if you're not the facilitator and you're just noticing holy crap oh i it, when i that happens to me all the time and then i as soon as that person takes a breath interrupt with my expressive personality my expressive meeting personality and say i haven't heard from so and so i'm super interested to hear from so and so which is actually i've heard a f enough from you Zip it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's my response. I, I actually ask to hear from other people. I'm curious what so-and-so has to say about this. Yeah. My curiosity is really 
deeply satisfied by everything you've already told me. I know. So yeah, you're, I'm no longer curious no. about anything you have to say. No. So, and I think that that is true. Like regardless of whether, what position you are in, in the meeting, uh, just sort of participant or in charge of it, you have a role to play mm-hmm. in making sure you're heard and helping get other have making helping make sure other people are heard as well. Mm-hmm. So this has been a lot of tips kind of aimed at managing expectations mm-hmm. around the meeting. Why are we here? What are we going to talk about? Behavior in the meetings. Behavior in the meetings. How to prepare for those meetings. We talked a little bit about that. How to deal with the people who are driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. A piece that I hadn't realized until we did research is that what you do after the meeting is, is really important. Is, is, is really important too. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know things like, you know, sending out the notes or following up on the decision or communicating something that was decided out beyond the meeting so that ed- people who weren't there understand or set, you know, etc. How to was checking in, how was that? But one thing that was really, really interesting to me was that it takes five minutes to recover, quote unquote, quote, from yeah, a good is, meeting. Mm-hmm. That means for your brain to kind of turn off and for you to be able to refocus on the focus on the next thing. It takes a minimum of 17 minutes and oftentimes far more than that to recover from a bad meeting. And so what researchers suggest is never schedule a meeting, never schedule meetings back to back. At least 15 minutes. Make in sure you give yourself at least 15 minutes between because if over 50% of meetings are bad, then you know you're going to need at least that 15 mm-hmm. minutes to recover and get ready for the next one. And we've seen it and felt it. That harried person, I've been that person I am before, definitely that person, that yes, harried person. Who is in their third or fourth consecutive meeting of the day. They haven't done any recovery. They, you know, we eliminate the opportunity to prepare for the next one. And so we sit down and it's just like, and, ah. and it feels like they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, like, oh my gosh, you hate me. Why are you being so mean? I'm just here for this meeting. So after the meeting, Time. take, you know, do mm-hmm. all of the steps that are, you're supposed to do, you know, that, 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 the, the, um, the follow up. All the follow up, but give yourself time to quote unquote recover. And that could be breathe, go for a walk, take notes about what you heard, focus and calm. And this, that really requires me anyway, for me to do that. I have to be so careful about what I say yes to. Yes. Because it's all around scheduling. Mm -hmm. It starts with Mm -hmm. what your expectation yeah, it starts with your schedule for the day. And I also just want to say one more thing, Karina, about the follow-up. I have created some of my best relationships after a bad meeting and going to that person and saying, boy, I think that went really poorly. And here's what I think I did. And checking in and saying, I don't know if you're ready to talk about this yet, but when you're ready to talk about it, I really want to talk about it because I really like you and I really care about you. I really appreciate our relationship. And I just want to kind of, if you're ready and willing and when, I want to process this. So the after follow-up meeting, when something goes bad, we all know this, when something goes bad, it's a great opportunity to build something better. Yeah, and that is a courageous conversation. And being willing to have those courageous conversations and having the relationships so that you can 
and the vocabulary, the the presence of mind, the ability mm-hmm. to have those that that does that takes a lot. But here's the deal: <laughs> we know that about fifty percent of your day is an opportunity for a courageous conversation because fifty percent of these meetings. folks leave dissatisfied. That's right. So there's lots of opportunities for courageous conversations. You're spending 90% of your day in meetings. Oh my goodness. So here's my hope out of this episode. I hope that we've either made you feel more comfortable with your uh, lack of ease, meaning and joy in your meetings. Like, okay, this is part of meetings. And better yet, that we have given you some tips, some ideas, some things to think about that will move things from fine into ease, meaning and joy. That's right. We want you to get out of a meeting and if, and feel one of those things, ease, meaning, or joy. Now, I think the three together, that's kind of, that's a big, that's a big tall order, but at least one of those things out of every meeting. I would just go for not crap. <laughs> not like, I would just go for like, oh, that was, now, that was we know, fine. Karina, the lesson with the microphone height. Yes. The lesson with the brown couch is fine is not okay. That's right. We need to do better than so fine. So get out there and get yourself some ease, meaning, and joy, listeners. Thanks for the great show. Thanks to talking to crows, too. Thanks, Karina. Thanks for working. Thanks for working. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.